Hey everybody, here's a quick word about our sponsors. First one being LaserApp. You can find them at www.lasrapp.com. They're a laser activated shot reporter. They're amazing what it can do. All of the things that you can do with it. Multiple guns, multiple locations, any type of target. They have a smorgasbord of items on their website, store. Check them out. Use the affiliate link below or on our website, casualshooterpodcast.com. Or, and, I'm sorry, and use the code CSP2021 for up to 15% off items not covered by the affiliate link. Next up, we have Gun Butter. I am one of those people that I clean my gun all the time because I feel like you've always got to clean the crud and put a fresh coat of lubrication on it. Um, that's because of the stuff we had to use in the military. I didn't like it, but I have finally landed on something I can get behind and that is gun butter. I did not shoot. I'm <laughs> I did not clean my gun at all at nationals. I did not clean it after the match before nationals nor the match before that and there's still gun butter oil on my gun and i'm going to be using their grease on the lugs of my bolt gun next we have hoist it is iv level hydration it's clinically proven to absorb 110 percent faster than water you've got all the right ingredients of your electrolytes that you need magnesium calcium sodium potassium it's all in there a little bit of sugar but that mixes the right amount to make it absorb rapidly so it's not sitting in your belly and weighing you down so check it out get hydrated stay hydrated and thanks for checking out our sponsors it helps with the podcast Welcome to this special episode of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. This week we have a special guest, or I should say for this special episode, we have a special guest. He is running for Area 3 Director. Let's go ahead and welcome to the show, Luke Faust. How you doing, Luke? I'm doing well. How you doing? I'm doing quite well, thanks. Appreciate you coming on. I know you did the uh, the hit factor recently, so but we'll we'll add, hopefully we uh, hit on a few different topics. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's all it's all new to me. That hit factor was actually my first podcast I'd ever been on, so I'm okay. Uh, I'm typically more of a behind the scenes guy. Gotcha. Okay. Well, uh, we were talking briefly before we started, and we we stopped our conversation so we could get to know each other on on air. So I'm going to hit you real quick with the standard questions we have that we use for icebreakers. Okay. Favorite movie? V for Vendetta. Ooh, okay. Good one. Favorite book? Ender's Game. Say that one more time. Ender's Game. Oh, Ender's Game. I got gotcha. you. My hearing's not yes. so great. So too many. It's guns. all good. It's all good. <laughs> um, favorite gun and caliber, and they don't have to be connected. 
nine millimeter. Uh, okay. I, I guess I could, I could expand upon that a little bit. Nine millimeter is just such a robust caliber. So when you look at, I, I'm, I'm, I guess that leads into, I'm a quality engineer for federal ammunition. Um, mm. and so, um, uh, ammunition is, is a big part of my life. And, uh, nine millimeter is the perfect balance of manageable recoil, acceptable lethality. It is so easy to get to feed and function through firearms because of the tapered case wall um, and, and a number of other factors. Um, it is the most robust. It's, it's really hard to get a nine millimeter not to work. Um, it, uh, from any length barrel from two and a half inches to 16 inches. And it's just, it's it tons of different grain weights of bullets. It's just a super robust, uh, versatile caliber. Uh, and then as far as guns, uh, SIG P320, um, not that I'm absolutely married to any gun company or any gun, but, uh, right now I'm shooting the, the SIG 320 exclusively. And the thing that I really like about it, that SIG kind of pioneered is just being able to swap the grips for anything that anyone on the market comes out with. So um, I really like the Merzon grips and uh, and they're a, a different shape that a lot of people don't like, but it hits, fits my hand just perfect. And the most important thing to me for a gun is uh, above all else is just the ergonomics and how it fits my hand and uh, and how the controls are in it. And it just it just works. It allows me the flexibility to find what works for me. So. Yeah, that's um, the one thing I've always done before I've shot a gun or bought a gun is test to see how well it fits my hands. Yeah, and especially in the modern era where like there's a lot of really reputable gun companies making a quality product. You know, you're, you're going to get good function, good reliability out of a bunch of different companies. It really comes down to, you know, just the, the you know, the, one of the primary factors is how well does it fit your hand? What are the ergos like? And uh and the, the cool thing of the 320 is it doesn't really matter because you can find if the if you don't like the stock you know module or you don't like the X series modules, well, there's there's a whole aftermarket support to find something you do like. Yeah, they've they've really done a good job with that platform. So I've got nothing nothing to say about that other than good job, Sig. Yes, yes. Okay. Um now if you're into superheroes, great. If not, so here it's a question of who's your favorite superhero. If you're not into that, fine. Then who's your favorite historical figure? Mm. Stumped you. Yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> I'm not a history buff and I'm not a superhero okay. person either. So it's like, uh, okay, shit. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're coming up empty on on both of those. Oh, okay. Um, I guess right. I guess if I were to go into history a little bit, um, some of the I wouldn't even say favorite, but men I find intriguing, or or people in history I find intriguing, are those in which created for better or worse um, huge shifts in uh, the you know the human race as we know it. So I'm not a religious guy, but I find Jesus to be very interesting of like, what was that guy life to cut, you know, to cause such a shift, even from just from just a completely logical, non-religious perspective, you know, right. Um, Genghis Khan, um, Hitler, uh, Alexander the Great, like, et cetera. These, these, you know, human Bonaparte. beings that like, 
their their name is still known and they you know at some point in some way they did something um that created uh you know a huge shift in in the world yeah yeah i mean there's an indelible stamp in history so and and so whether it's uh good or good or bad lessons or just observations i i find them interesting but not interesting enough to pursue history just interesting enough to uh <laughs> Be interested in tidbits as they come by. I mean, how how long ago did Sun Tzu live, and people still read his book about the art of war? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, in some areas, it's required reading. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. Okay. So, so is that, is that your icebreakers? Was that all of them? That that was it. That was them. So we were we were just touching on. I think uh, we may have crossed paths at 2020 Florida Open. Yes, maybe, possibly. Possibly. And I was asking I, what squad you were or who you shot with. Yeah. So I work at federal and I got into like started shooting seriously around 2019. I had shot, I shot my first USPSA match actually in 2008. And then that was like, right. As I graduated high school, like I knew I wanted to get into this stuff and tried it out and did some matches, but uh, I didn't really start shooting seriously until 2019 and I was working at Federal at the time. And so Casey Reed, who works for Federal, and uh, and he had gotten in a little, I think he started shooting real seriously around 20, 2012, 2014, somewhere in there. And um, and so I uh, I started getting in and, and learning learning the ropes and kind of mentored by him. So um, it, it, at, at the 2020 Florida Open, I was with him. And then uh, he's, he's good friends. And now I'm good friends with Mason Lane and Kaylee Lane. And... Um, Matt Nash, and it was probably all those kind of that group. Um, Stephen Lutman. Yeah, that that whole crew is who I would have been squatted with. Okay. I was with um, – I don't remember who else was on my squad, but uh, Wampler was on my squad. So I don't – I don't. we definitely weren't on the same squad, I don't think. So but no, it doesn't no, mean we didn't run into each other there. Yeah. And they have, I think they had so many different schedules, you know, you can go, <laughs> I have guys, so I'm from Minnesota and I just shot um, limited and open nationals and uh-huh. I'm, I'm at the, the match. We're back at the house and I'm strolling through scores and I'm seeing guys from Minnesota and I'm like, I didn't even see them at the match. <laughs> like, like <laughs> these are guys who I shoot with regularly. I see them, at, you know, um, all the time. And I was like, wow, we never even, we were there the whole week or weekend and never even crossed paths. I, I shot carry optics nationals and I've had Mike Seeklander on a couple of times. So I, I knew where he was shooting and I went looking for him and I couldn't find him. Yeah. Yep. You would think someone with that big of a personality, everybody knows, but Oh, there's Mike easy find. Nope. Crazy. Yep. Now. Okay. So how long have you been working for federal? I, I, in, I started as an intern in 2011, um, and at that point, they were part of ATK. Uh, Federal's kind of been passed around a little bit as far as their corporation that owns them or above them. So right. 2011, I started working for them as ATK as an intern, working in uh, manufacturing, and um, then uh, ended up going back to school, finishing my senior year, came back. Ended up going to medium caliber ammunition, which is a different division of ATK. Spent about 18 months there and then transferred back into small cal. And I've, I've been there ever since. So 2011, really, pretty much continuously. A little over a decade now. 
Okay. Basically my wow. whole my whole uh my whole career. <laughs> <laughs> your whole your whole adult life. <laughs> yep, my whole adult life been making ammo for federal. Now you you don't sound like a, a native Minnesotan because you didn't say Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, I was born in Texas. <laughs> oh, we're at in Texas. I was born in Dallas. San Antonio. Okay. Works yep. for me. So the weird thing is, like, I grew up, I guess, yeah, I, yeah, I we get into all, it's complicated, but I, I just never picked up that kind of Minnesota accent. Um, even though I only grew up like the first couple years of my life in Texas, it's all just never been, never, never, never really picked up that kind of accent. And people have always said that too. I get that a lot, but yeah, a little bit of Texas in me, uh, some Minnesota and then went to school in Indiana. So I got a little bit of that too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all yeah. right. Now. All right. So we've got you on to talk about the area three candidacy yeah what made you at what point did you go you know what i'm gonna run for air i'm gonna throw my hat in the ring for area three candidate so the i'm the kind of person that when I'm not, I'm not much of a talker, hence not being on podcasts or being, you know, I'm not, I'm not much of a talker. I'm more of a doer. Um, okay. And when, you know, going to major matches and, and shooting locally as well and, and talking with shooters and, you know, you're in that room with a bunch of guys and guys are bitching, you know, and, you know, you, you bitch and you bond over different things like that RO, that was a double, you know, and, and everybody is, uh, yeah, man, you should have gotten that, you know. And uh, when you hear enough about the organization, you know, we're like, man, <laughs> we got to bring our own dinner to nationals. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, that, that happens enough times in a row and like, you know, stuff uh, like, you know, we didn't have enough chairs or we didn't, you know, and then it then it comes down to, you know, a lot of other things and kind of the this, you know, and, and I'm the kind of guy that, you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll bond with the guys and talk that, but I'm, I'm more about doing and uh and so it, it got to a point with me with those discussions and those things that were happened that I was like, hey, you know, I don't I don't feel OK not doing something about it at this point. Like if I have if I have these issues with the organization um, and particularly the ones that came up recently, whereas um, and, and, you know, I've obviously put out my campaign flat platform, you know, one free speech, you know, and, and the bands, those were very upsetting to me, not in the sense of like, I'm not personally close with any of those dudes, but the message it sent to me was if you have a problem, you can't speak up. And I had a huge problem with that. Um, and, okay. and that was the message that, that I got. And then the second one being the financial stuff. You know, I'm a match director and I, I obviously pay my dues as an individual, but as a match director, I pay a decent amount of money to the org. Um, and, you know, uh, that that the financial stuff going on and looking at that from the outside. And and hopefully when I get on the inside, you know, not, I hope it's not as bad as it looks from the outside. But from the outside, I got an impression that I don't feel good about that, you know, and then um, and then the, the third one being just the transparency of when I tried to speak to leadership about that, you know, an email Sherwin, who was my area director at the time, I wasn't getting the response, any response, actually, not even responsiveness. So uh, you kind of stack up those two, those three things. And, uh, and the answer was, you know, I, I, I I'm, I'm a man of action, I got to do something. And uh, 
whether whether or not my campaign is successful, I will um, know that I put in put in the effort to do something to make positive change, not just sit in a room sit in a room with a bunch of guys and complain about it. Okay. Now, um, going along with that, do you have any? So you are a match director. So do you sit on the board at your the range that you're affiliated with or do you have any experience like that? No, uh, nope. Completely new to that. Uh, no board of director. Experience. Okay. Uh, no, um, the, the range it's a privately owned range that I, uh, run matches for. I'm a contractor, uh, with, a with, a uh, contracting for them running their, their, uh, their matches. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's an area in which I'm already already starting to read up and and learn about and uh, and understand. Oh, okay, all right. Now, any um, so I take it then no. Um, let me I wrote it down to make sure I didn't forget. <laughs> in nonprofit experience, then none. Okay. All all new stuff that uh, that I'm 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 uh, rapidly uh, what was it cramming for the exam? Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. taking, taking the time I can, you know, as, a as an engineer and, uh, I guess maybe not even an engineer, but just as my personality, but an engineer too. I mean, you could define my personality as an engineer. Uh, you get loose, used to learning new things. You can't be an expert at everything. And so, um, very regularly I run into a problem that, uh, that I know nothing about and, uh, and I got a research and learn and, and build a new skill set. And um, a lot of what I do uh, for for federal, for um, Osseo Gun Club, which is where I run matches, and for any other organization that I'm you know, working for or supporting is, is, is you know, logistics and, uh, and, and understanding, uh, you know, and, and trying to make make things flow smooth, better, you know, making things happen. And so it's, it's, um, it's just another set of rules to learn another or, you know, another, another set of boundaries to understand how to operate within and then uh, figure out the path to, uh, to get where, where I want to go and, uh, and start taking the, the baby steps towards that, that final goal. Okay. Goal. Uh, now, what, what have you been, you said you've been studying up. What have you been looking into recently to prepare yourself? So the, the two aspects of it, one is speaking to, uh, you know, understanding how this organization works. So like number one is re read the bylaws and the rules and the website and every aspect of this over, you know, read them, annotate them, understand them, understand, you know, I mean, just every single button on the website, I've clicked at least three or four times now. So just the, the basics of that, uh, going through all the old minutes. So understanding the org was the first kind of tenant there. The second one was getting a copy of Robert's rules and starting to work my way through that. And then the third is understanding nonprofit law, nonprofit finance, and how all that's supposed to be done and and uh, and the the regulations around that. So those are the kind of the three areas that I'm them working my way through. One is pretty much done, and the other two I'm just starting to dip my toe into. Now, okay, I mean that, that's pretty pretty good. Now, what do you what are your thoughts on, I, I mean, look, I, I know that there are what, 34, 35,000 members. I know they're not all active. I want to say somewhere between 18 and 20 is how many act, 
thousand is how many active members there are in the USPSA membership. But there are people out there, obviously, with expertise in pretty much every single field you could think of. What yep. are your thoughts on reaching out to members who do have that type of experience? Yeah, that's uh, I'm already I'm already having conversations with people who are experts in certain areas, um, whether it be um, and and it, it, obviously being at nationals, I'm I'm face to face with a lot of a lot of different members and uh, and people who either A, have been a part of the USPSA organization at one point in time, or B, have been a part of their own gun club, the board of directors of a nonprofit for a long period of time. And uh, and then other on the other side, people who work in finance or work in, uh, uh, I haven't found one that specifically works in nonprofit finance, but um, uh, accountants in other areas, tax accountants, et cetera. So uh, within within my personal network and then within the community, I've developed some of those connections. And uh, a lot of my campaign platform as well is based upon um, crowdsourcing solutions, if you will, in the sense of understanding that uh, that my experience and my my knowledge is going to be limited. No one person can have all the answers, all the experience, all the solution. Um, just just as simple of things as like. I haven't shot every division. I don't understand the nuances of every division. Um, and to think that one, one board member, to make it simple for the divisions, that one board member could have the understanding of every division to be able to knowledgeably vote and change the rules or interpret how rules should be interpreted within a, a division um, is, is kind of crazy to me. So you're going to have to reach out and lean to members. And, uh, and part of what I've been putting work into um, is developing the systems in order to uh, make myself accessible and pull the members, not just the ones that I know, but anyone who wants to have their voice heard. Okay. I, I feel like that's where, and, and not to offend anybody, but I kind of feel like that's where some of the things in the past have gone awry. I think there's a, a plenty of people who feel like their voices were never heard. Um, so yep. what are your what are your thoughts on bylaw changes in the near future as well as the bylaw changes that just occurred? So <laughs> when I look at I guess <laughs> when I look at the bylaw changes at the beginning of 2021 or 2022, excuse me, 2022. Uh, I think it was a, the current revision of our bylaws is January, January of 2022. Um, yeah. There's not much that changed that I agree with the change. Um, I I, I want to say there was maybe one or two lines where I was like, okay, cool. I could buy into that. But uh, I would be over, I, I would be quite happy reverting back to one revision prior to January of 2022. Um, I don't, I don't like any of those changes. Um, I don't, I think that the, you know, I mean, when you break them down like one by one, you uh, strength, you know, and, and I'm going from memory here. It's been a minute since I looked at what the changes were, but you strengthen the um, the consequence of being uh, having disciplinary action against you. 
Um, and at the time I didn't understand like what that, what the implications of that could be, but you know, there was the lines added for every, every position that if you had any disciplinary action at the time, I didn't see the play there. Like if there was a play, I didn't see it. And right. then after that we have, you know, so that goes in and then six months later when elections are coming around, we have more bans than we've ever seen in the sport. And it's like, Oh, okay. That's, that's, that's kind of suspicious. It's not, I'm not saying there was a master plan there, but that, that does not look good. You know, it'd be different if those had been in for 10 years prior. Um, but you know, that's, that timeline isn't great on that. Um, you add the, the requirement of, uh, being an RO cert and a life member to be on the board and it's like, okay, cool. I guess that's fine. You know, um, I'll get my RO cert and pay for my life membership to, to be able to run, to try to support the org. Um, it's just more hoops for people to jump in, to try to volunteer. Um, and then the, obviously the creation of the executive director position, that was a big one. Um, in pretty much every organization that I've ever worked for and been involved in is too top heavy. There's uh, too many chiefs, not enough Indians. Um, and I, I, you know, just from the basic like logistics, I'm a quality engineer. I like efficiency. Um, I want, I want two things. I want as, as, as few, as few, you know, extra chiefs as I can. And then also I would want as a member, I would want as much power in the hands of elected officials as possible um, and not appointed officials. So it, it kind of went against both of those. Um, and then I think the, the last change that was in there was the, uh, the change from, they changed it to three quarters. I forget exactly what it was as far as, you know, future bylaw changes are now yeah. it's got to be three quarters of the board. I think it was at like, was it two, two thirds? I before? think, it, uh, yeah, I think that's all it was, was two thirds. Yeah. And so, you know, once again, it's not like I'm like horribly opposed to the principle, but when you're looking at like the appearance of that, where you're, you're a, you're, the current president was not elected, the, you know, you yeah. oust, you know, all these things are going on and then you make a bunch of changes and then you try to cement them as much as you can by making it hard to, harder to change later. God, you know, if you, you, I'm not saying you had malicious intent, but that does not look good. Uh, it no, just doesn't. No, I agree. I mean, when you, I mean, there's a couple of things we could look at. One, the the current bylaws at the time said, you know, timely election of a new president. And it took mm -hmm. a year to get the president in. There's no there is no dictionary in the world that says that's timely. I'm sorry. Agreed. There isn't. Um, so I do feel like they decided to take advantage of that period to change the organization to whatever they wanted. And even mm -hmm. if they didn't, that is still the way it looks and, yeah. and, and make some of these changes and do some of these things. Like you said that, you know, were they setting people up to be able to do certain things and then to turn right around and expect you to have an insane percentage of board members needed to pass a bylaw. It's just like what they didn't, it's almost like they didn't, want anybody to be able to come in and change what they did that's the way it looks yeah and and like you said maybe it isn't malicious but the appearance isn't good so yeah and um, and a lot of times when you're you know you're, you're not communicating when the communication isn't 
isn't very free flowing. Um, you know how it, if, if you don't tell people outright, this is exactly what we're doing and why we're doing it. And this is, you know, what in this, if you're not clearly communicating, then the way it appears is the way it's perceived. And that's how it appears. All right. So I've got two questions um, and they go right in with this one. You mentioned the executive director. So I want to get your I'll expand on that in a minute. The, the The bigger one I have is the, I know you have in your, on your Luke Faust website yep. and in your Instagram that you are all for streaming board meetings, which if I had four thumbs, I'd give you four thumbs up. I think that's yeah. awesome. Um, now, so going, um, how, well, first off, how are you going to deal with the other board members who are going to try to push back on that? And two, with the executive director, I'm going to throw a scenario out there. Let's say, I don't know how long her contract is for, mm -hmm. but let, let's say it's four years and you're in office when that four years hit, what is your what are your thoughts at that point? Would you want to extend the contract for an executive director or revert back to where you had a president who ran all of that and was a full-time employee? All right. And I'll let you go for those two questions. Yeah. So let's, let's separate those out because they're, <laughs> I'm not they are two separate things. One, yeah. Like, <laughs> so let's, let's take executive director. We'll talk about that in a minute. Your first question was, Streaming and, and Stream, how do yeah. you, I know there are board members that are going to, you know, yep. aren't for it. Yep. So how, what tactic, what tactic or technique would you use to convince them that streaming is the way to go for transparency purposes? So the, It's not, I don't, I don't have um, delusions about the uphill climb that I am approaching. Um, meaning um, I view realistically my first year or two as me being nothing but a dissenting vote that gets nothing done. Realistically. Um, most of the board has voted in line. Um, and the optimistic side of me says that, uh, you know, me speaking my logic about perception of perception of us and, and the board and, and the board's, um, you know, public view and how beneficial the members would be to be able to see these discussions and feel like they have more of a voice and understanding of what we're doing. You know, I can I can I can um, present those uh, appeals uh, and I will, you know, uh, present those appeals. Um, and, and maybe the optimistic side of me says, Hey, maybe I'll be able to convince some people that, that this is a better way of doing things. Um, and the, the more realistic or pessimistic side of me says, you're just going to be that one guy who's voting no on everything or, you know, dissenting for a while <laughs> and, uh, right. and, and kind of holding that seat until the, the membership across the country and other areas can uh, decide they want some change too. And, and maybe, maybe even for my area, I can, you know, within, within the um, abilities that I will have, I can create some systems and create some um, show, 
show a different way of doing things where other areas go, hey, area three, you know, they got to vote on where they hold their area championship. That was really freaking cool. I wish we got to do that, you know, like stuff like that, where it's like uh, I set the example, I set a new tone of of what this position could be, what what they could do for their members, how they could give their members a voice. And uh, and then and then maybe they'll vote in other people that I don't have to work as hard to convince. Um, or maybe, you know, that 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 example will show people who are currently there that, hey, there is maybe this is a better way of doing things. And uh, whether it be, you know, the transparency and in, in, in putting out the board meetings completely or um, the transparency and not giving, uh, you know, a budget that's so like watered down and giving giving the members the whole budget and letting them see everything that's going on, um, just transparency in every aspect of the organization. Um, if you have, I, I'm a firm believer that like, if you have nothing to hide and you have nothing to be ashamed of, like you can still make mistakes, but if you have nothing to hide, there's no reason not to be transparent in every aspect of this, especially as a member driven nonprofit organization. The members can know everything. I, I, I really struggle seeing any, any aspect of this organization that the members can't, if they want, I don't, I mean, I think like. I don't know if it was our conversation or a conversation I had earlier in the day, but like, you know, somebody was saying 80% of the members, 90% of the members, they don't care. They just want to go shoot matches. 100% agreed. I don't want to put this stuff in their faces, but if they want to go on the website and they want to click in, you know, the, the tab to go in to see the IRS form 990s and see all the budgets and see the projected budget for the next year and all that, let them do it. Make sure it's all out there. Make sure it's in detail. Make sure it's explained well. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, I I know or I've heard that, you know, some of the arguments are, oh, you know, it's you can't people can't be videoed or the other thing was um, people won't vote the way they would normally vote if people watched. And I'm like, then why are they there? Why? What are That's they afraid the point of? of recording it? <laughs> exactly. That is the whole point. And everybody yes. should know. it. I mean, look, yes. I, I've always said our. I'm not sure. I'm sure it's similar in Minnesota. We have counties and you have a local county government and mm -hmm. that meeting gets streamed live on cable network. Mm -hmm. So why can't the USPSA do that? What are they afraid of? We should hear the discussion that's going on, you know? Yes, 100%. And um, there's... You know, in in any situation, you know, just taking to my job, you know, there's there's, a, you know, let's say a quality, you know, issue or something where you have to make a decision. And part of being in that leadership role is you need to make a decision. And sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong. But when, and sometimes you have to be accountable for when you're wrong. And hey, yeah, I said this or I voted this way. And at the time, this is the information I had. And I thought it was the best path because of this. And anyone who is, you know, acting in the best interest of the organization and uh, and reasonably articulate can uh, articulate can can explain that to anyone who's asking. And uh, I really just don't see the yeah, I don't I don't see the concern. Um, I try to live my life in a way that I don't ever say or do anything that I wouldn't do in front of anyone or everyone, you know what I mean? Like I, I wouldn't say something about someone that I wouldn't say when they were there, you know, like, uh, absolutely. absolutely. And, uh, 
and and that that same principle I think can be applied to the board, you know, and, and applied to the board meetings is. Uh, well, if you wouldn't say it, if everyone was watching or you wouldn't vote that way, if everyone was watching, then you shouldn't be voting or saying those things regardless. Agree. So the the second part, I'll just go ahead and restate all of that was what are your thoughts on having a split executive? You have an executive director and a yep. president yep. versus just a president. So. <laughs> the there there's two things you know the the first thing was the 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 money side of things which um uh you know i i there's a lot of people making six figures in that org right now and i don't know how justified that is and from my understanding that that is a very recent thing and that you dial back the org 10 15 years ago and the the salaries were one sixth of what they are now. And there was one third of the employees. Um, but with, so with that, um, I, 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 I want to say that all of those, all of those, I, I like, I like having an exec, uh, elected president that basically leads the org and is the president and makes the decisions and is elected and uh, accountable via elections for his decisions and his leadership. I like that. I like the way it was structured. That being said, I'm coming into the system that it is now. Um, I don't have a good understanding of right now what the difference is in what the president and the, you know, and, and I'm not like, like literally, you know, what do you do? You know, like walk me through the decisions you make on a daily, monthly, yearly basis. Like, let me understand that role. And this is the same thing I do when like, walking in a new area of the plant and trying to learn, all right, how do you run your machine? You know, what are the, you know, you know, how do I, you got to learn the area before you can solve the bigger problem that maybe is happening upstream. So learn, learn what the current structure of the president is, you know, and the, and the executive director, what are they doing? What are they, uh, what's the, the vision for what they're doing? And then I think I can make a more, once inside the org, I can make a more, informed opinion on what I think that should be. Um, I think that they're, like I've already said, I'd rather have one president. I, I don't think you need two people. Uh, I think there's too many people in the org right now. I don't think you need two people for that job. Um, but maybe there is some way that the a sensible way that the responsibilities can be broken down uh, to, to make sense to have that in two separate positions. Um, but from outside the org, I'm just not seeing that. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. My preference would be just the president, but it is what it is. Like you said, that's what you're going into. So you have to deal with it. Yep. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm all for paying, you know, I'm all for paying for top talent. You know, like I, 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 I have no problem paying people for, a, you know, a fair salary for doing a stellar job. But, um, I am all against paying people uh, exorbitant salaries to do what could be done in half or part-time or uh, contributing nothing to the org. Can't argue with that. Now there, there is, since we're talking about, you know, dealing with these situations going in and knowing you're going to be one ninth basically of a vote yep. for things. There was one thing you had uh, 
so on your website, and yep. this is also what you posted to um, Instagram. Yeah. You, it asked about what qualifications set you apart and stuff like that. And you said an unwavering moral compass combined with aggression, tenacity, and a willingness for uncomfortable confrontation. Yes. Now, coming from someone who doesn't know you. Yes. My, my first thought would be, hmm, at what level of confrontation are we talking? So would you mind taking a moment and explaining what that means? So it is, it was important for me to express that I am not a go along to get along, agreeable, going to uh, just go with the flow kind of person. I'm not the kind of person that um, when social pressure is applied, like, um, you know, subtly and not subtly, or someone gets mad and starts yelling, like someone says, you know, you know, some people, you know, they'll, they'll cower under that, or they'll back off, or they'll, they'll like, oh, okay, they're getting really upset, I'm going to kind of lean away from that or back off or not over. I have no problem leaning into that. I'm not, I'm not an okay. attacker, but I'm sure willing to defend and I am willing to defend uh, aggressively and hold my ground. Um, and so um, understanding that, um, you know, I think that there's, there's potentially, you know, the, every, every guy I've met who's on the board right now is a really nice guy. When you talk to them, of the ones I've met, like, like they're, they're really nice guys. Yeah. They're not like, they're not bad dudes. They're not. Um, and I, I do think that they're, um, they, at least, at least once again, the ones I met or know, um, they have the, the, they really do love the sport and want the best for the sport. Um, but I think potentially right now, the current board has maybe a little bit too much, um, agreeableness in them. Um, if, if most of the board is going one way, whether they believe in their hearts or not, that's the right way because most of the board's going this way, they're going to keep going. And, uh, I'm just not that guy. Like, I, I can I can be in the same room as someone, look at them and say, hey, I don't agree with you. I don't agree with this at all. I think it's wrong. Okay. All right. Well, that does explain it. Well, that's good. I like that. Um, obviously, I'm not voting. I'm in Area 8. But, I mean, still, whoever they, whomever gets elected in Area 3, you know, it affects everybody in USPSA. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I, I, I like it. Good answer. Um, all right. So there was, uh, so the financial integrity part that you have on your website. Yep. Obviously there, that's been one of the topics of discussion lately is, you know, their operating budget being in the red, um, would that, would you put that, obviously you have area three to run, but you're yes. a board member for the entire organization. So I want to get to area three eventually, but knowing that they're in the red, what would, is that like your top priority or what would be a top priority for you getting on the board of directors? Uh, number, my, my priorities are in order of being listed. So, uh, free speech okay. is number one. 
uh, absolutely, uh, completely against um, the bans and the not only just the bans, but the way that they've been handled. Like that's that's if there's the one thing that pushed me over that said I'm running. It was exactly that. It was when I when I felt that I couldn't speak was what pushed me to say I got to do something. When I felt like oh, I don't think I can speak up anymore. What if they What if they ban me for speaking up? That was like the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, and so free speech is, is absolutely number one, making sure that um, the, that, I mean, bans don't happen. A lot of bans that have happened are reversed. Even ones that happened before, you know, as, as I find, you know, um, you know, there was a guy, and I, I don't even know the guy. I just saw the saw the messages uh, or saw him post somewhere. And I don't know if it was Reddit or this or wherever. He was like, yeah, I got banned like four or five years ago because I, I was uh, shooting matches using a, a fake name because I live out on the West Coast and I work for an employer and which would not look kindly upon uh, me shooting in, 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 you know, in any kind of competition, shooting at all, owning firearms. And I didn't want, uh, I didn't want that information for me to be public. And he got banned for just using a fake name to sign up for matches. It's like, uh, you know, that wonder, that makes me wonder how many other guys are out there who got slapped with bans for completely reasonable things, you know, um, that we don't even know about because you can't look up so, so I can go in there and I can look up for uh, ineligible competitors, but I have to know their last name and I have no reason to see why they're ineligible. So I really can't look up who's ineligible and who's not. And so, I mean, number one is a complete review of, of all of that um, and, and, and then completely restructuring that process. Um, I like to say, I, I think it's uh, maybe potentially a little naive, but I like to say that I can't think of a reason that anyone would need to be banned. Um, like if it's, a, if it's that serious of an issue, then uh, it, it sounds like it would be a legal issue that you have the authorities handle. Um, that being said, I know that may be a, a little bit naive, um, and, but if we do continue to have a process for taking disciplinary action against members, it needs a hell of a lot more transparency. Um, and needs to be very, very easy to understand in, in every aspect of what what is going to happen and what did happen. Um, so financial integrity, sorry, I kind of got off a little bit. No, financial integrity okay. is number two. Um, and the the financial integrity side for me is when I when I look at the budget, I see plenty of income and uh, and way too much expenditure. I don't think we have an income problem. Um, and I look at the, the expenditures and I start asking questions about, hey, why why is our budget for you know the the office expenses like uh, $400,000 in 2021? Like that, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, we don't even have that many employees and our employees are spread all over across the country. Um, and there was other things like, okay, cool. The, you know, uh, the Front Sight Magazine, uh, lost $160,000 last year. Uh, I don't, I don't understand that either. Um, I've, I've, uh, that's, that's something where, okay, cool. It's pulling in ad revenue, definitely. But um, if it's losing more in, in printing and publishing it, than it's uh, making, then that's not, uh, that's not doing anything for us. And I, I think that could easily be uh, the physical print, which is most of the most of the uh, cost uh, could be yeah. diverted into just 
like I said, uh, uh, online, like an online newsletter, which they already do. And, uh, you know, if you want to do some kind of magazine thing, which I'm not even, I don't even think that's really relevant today. Like that's not how most people consume information anymore. Um, so I think there's, there's better ways that we can put into uh, both creating ad space for advertisers and uh, putting out digital content. Um, so, yeah, uh, I kind of got off there. <laughs> do you want to want to loop me back into your original question? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but I I I'm actually liking the way you're going. So I'm what I'll do is guide it a little bit. I'm going to guide you back up to the free speech because I agree with everything you said there. I do feel though that there is one bannable offense, and that would be multiple integrity violations. Okay. An example of that would be cheating. You get caught multiple yep. times cheating. This whole sport is based on integrity, even doubles. You know what I mean? Like if you know that shot's not a double, you shouldn't be calling the RO to put the device up there to see if it's an actual, you know what it is or not. You know yeah. what I, If you know, if you're not sure, absolutely go for it. But we've all heard those stories where people know and they're like, yeah, I lucked out. You know, he went ahead and gave me a double. Well, it, I mean, that's minor. That's not a bannable offense. That's not yeah. what I'm saying, but there are some things that, you know, maybe somebody went and looked at some stages uh, on a level two somewhere after dark and activated some, you know what I mean? So there are things that I feel are, yeah. but it's always going to be integrity related. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, there's so many things that are difficult in the, in the sport like that. Um, I, I could see it, um, but it would have to be uh, well-documented. And uh, like I said, is it, it, it's, it's got to be completely transparent and well-documented. Um, Absolutely. Just because, because if not, you, you end up with a situation where, um, oh, so-and-so asked for too many doubles. He needs a ban. And really what happened was so-and-so really pissed off someone in power, and that's why he's getting a ban. Um, and, and, and you got to have enough fear. transparency. Yeah. You got to have enough transparency in any kind of disciplinary system. You got to have enough transparency that there's absolutely no way that could, that, that could happen. Um, and that just isn't the case right now. I agree. And going back to number one as well, I've always said the higher up you get in an organization, the thicker your skin has to be because you become the one under the microscope. Mm -hmm. not the, not us down here shooting, you know, locals or even level twos, you know? So I feel like there are people that get up in that position and, and feel like nobody's allowed to question them when really it's the exact opposite. Everybody's going to be questioning you. Mm -hmm. All right. And, and uh, yeah, you 100%, you have to be able to, take that criticism and understand that um, and understand as well that like, there's, there's always going to be a differing opinion from yours. There's always going to be people with different life experiences, different stances, different views. And, uh, and they're not going to see things the same as you and that's okay. And, uh, and that, that, that is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And you keep saying that um, we're now we're on the financial integrity part that you feel there are too many people in the organization and their expenditures yep. are out of control, yep. which I don't necessarily disagree with you at all there. 
Um, have you looked at anything recently or had privy to see anything to go, you know what? I feel like maybe this or maybe that. This is how we could do a few things in the short term. Obviously, you have to have a long-term goal, but in the short term, maybe we could do A or B. Yeah, so the the number three, and I kind of went through in-depth, um, a more in-depth look at the budget than what is provided on the website, um, as well as the stuff that's provided on the website. And the the things that really pop out to me are the, the, my, my number one, two, and three. If I were to like do just one, two, and three, Right off the top, because if you if you if you really attack more than three things, you, 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 it's not as focused as you'd like to be. So number one was um, the uh, the office expenditures. We have a physical office that they pay like fifty thousand dollars a year for office space in Washington. Um, wow. There's only four employees who live even locally close to that. It's 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 uh, more uh, um, executive assistant staff kind of stuff. It's none of the leadership positions. Um, and a lot of them work from home anywhere. There's only one person in the office at any given point in time. And a lot of times there's no one in the office We're paying 50 K for that. Um, and then there's, and that's just for the space. And then there's an additional 400 K in the budget and which is office expenditures, which isn't explained at all what that actually is. Um, to my understanding, a lot of that is like printing and stuff for the magazine, um, which that I don't know how much of just killing the office space that will kill. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff there. There was under that too, there was like exorbitant amounts for like communications at the office. Like it was a lot more than I think any kind of internet or phone bill ever could be. Um, so that should all go away if you get rid of a physical office space. I mean, the modern era of working from home uh, is is the way things are going and it's uh, it makes more sense. They're already doing it from what I understand. I don't you know, we just are paying for an empty office as I, as I get it. Um, and then with that as well, your, you know, that kind of ties into the magazine, which I already talked about. So office space, let's just round that up. That's about, you just call it like 400 K that you'll save there per year. Not like, like that's per year, uh, that you cut there. Um, and, and that's even on the low side, there's a bunch of categories in there that are broken out from that, that are like, like, or not even broken out from that on top of that. And then you have the other one, a front site magazine. Um, I don't, I just don't see that creating the value that, that um, I don't see it being worth it. I think there's a much, much more cost effective ways of communicating with the membership. So that's 160 K loss right there that you could, you could kill off. And then furthermore, I think that just the operating a front site magazine, that, that is the full role of some of those positions. So by doing that, you also, um, no longer have a lot of workload on those positions. And you can either consolidate consolidate that into one role and or if those some of those personnel have valuable skills, you can shift them off into other parts of the org. Um, and then the third one was travel. So when you look at the travel budget, I think it was $260,000 last year in travel. That doesn't include meals. Uh, like meals were a separate, like $57,000 line item. So $260,000 in travel. And uh, that that came over a hundred thousand dollars of that was from two employees. Um, and I, I travel a lot, wow. and I know a lot of other people who travel a lot. Um, I don't understand, and I, I I also think these these guys have important jobs, you know, that require travel. But I don't see any way to justify over a hundred thousand dollars in one year of travel Con consecutively. Like this is year over year, and it keeps building and getting more and more and more. Um, 
And from what I understand, and obviously these policies, and this is another thing, these policies aren't public like they should be, in my opinion. There should be a written travel policy for employees that is public. As I understand it right now, there is no travel policy for employees. It's basically a free-for-all, which um, I think I think some of the travel that is done is, is important and makes sure that the organization runs and, and whether it be NRI seminars, they, they run properly and the NRI does what it does or the national events do what they do or, or whatever else, you know, maintaining industry relations, so forth. But I think uh, a lot of that travel um, is, is potentially questionable and, or, you know, all right, you know, I don't understand how you get to hundred thousand, but uh, I don't fly first class. Is, is this first class travel? Um, I'm a, I don't book hotels last minute. I shop around. I, I book things six months in advance, et cetera. Is that why we're seeing these exorbitant costs or is it because we're, traveling all the time. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't add up. That's my third area in which uh, I feel like we could really cut some expenses. Um, and then, you know, those are the, those are the four digit cutters. Um, there's a lot of, uh, sorry, no, those are the six digit cutters, excuse me, six digits in all of those items. There's a lot of five digit items as I was looking through the budget that I'm like, all right, um, that's, uh, that's a lot per month in cell phone bills. What's going on there? Um, other things like that that just uh, don't don't add up. But uh, I'd start with those first three. Now, did you say the the office space was fifty grand a month or fifty grand a year? Fifty grand a year. I might I might okay. have misspoke okay. if I said that. Fifty grand a year, uh, uh, and that's just I, for the the lease on the office. Gotcha. Yeah, I may have misheard. So yeah, that's why I was just clarifying. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's other things in those budget that seem ridiculous. Like if you go to, you know, at first when I went to the, uh, you know, the, the budget that's on there on the, on the website right now for the 2022 projected budget, and it has like $60,000 in bank fees. I was like, what the heck is that? Like, how do you pay $60,000 in bank fees? Like I have a free checking account. And then I find out, oh, that's credit card processing fees. They're taking in through, they pay 3% on everything that comes in. And okay, maybe if they're taking in, God, now that I think about it, that math doesn't even make sense either. <laughs> it shouldn't but, be that much. Well, I mean, even then though, it's not a cost. It's just a loss of revenue. You know what I mean? It's not... They're going to like if if I pay for a five year membership and yep. let's say it's one hundred and fifty dollars. OK, well, instead of you getting one hundred and fifty dollars of it, you you just take three and a half percent off. So. Yeah. So what is that? Three, four, five, twenty five. So you get, you know, one forty four, seventy or twenty five or whatever it is. So it's not like you're paying fees. So it shouldn't come out of a budget. You just. That's just income you, you know, you're, you can then budget out what you're going to get from each one. So that's weird. It's a very weird way. That's not the only weird thing that they have on that budget. Another one is they report. So they have investments. They have, um, uh, you could call it somewhere between one and 2 million that is invested and, and providing returns. And they project the returns of those investments into the next year and include it into the profit and loss budget for the next year, even though it's not, it's unrealized gains. They're not going to sell or cash out that investment. They look at the, how much the investment is going to increase in value and then say that that, so you could have a budget that with their current way of budgeting, you could have a budget that looks green, but their actual cash balance is going down 
which that doesn't make any sense to me either. Like, uh, you're like those investments should be just put on if those are like long term investments to have like a, a nest egg for the organization to purchase property, do something in the long term that should not be included in our, you know, annual budget at all, in my opinion. Totally agree. I mean, I've, I've been a member of different volunteer organizations and it's always been, we have, this is what our budget was this month. And we have now in savings, we have $180,000. Yep. You know, so it's separate. It's completely separate than what they use for their operating budget. So that is still, and look, I'm, I'm not an accountant, so. And but, and when uh, I'm not either, and but but I manage my own personal finances. Me I've too. helped a lot of friends like <laughs> set up. You know, when I was, I've always kind of had a knack for money and setting up budgets and saving and investing. And so I've had a lot of friends come up to me and be like, "Hey, man, how do you do this? Like, what?" And I'm like, "All right, cool. You're gonna set up this account. You're gonna do this, and this is how I invest. And you go through here. There's no fees in this. And so like I've I've done enough personal finance that I can look at something, you know, uh, an organization's budget and say, "Hey." Uh, I, this, this doesn't look right from even an uneducated perspective. I'm seeing hella red flags. Like if this was my friend's budget and she had come up to me and said, Hey, uh, what, what do you think? How, how can I, how can I get, you know, out of credit card debt? I would be like red flags everywhere. Um, and that's what I'm seeing. <laughs> right. I, I would switch banks if I had if I lost $60,000 a year in bank fees, I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> that, that I would, I, I'm very interested to see more of a breakout of how we spent six. And this is for, for anyone who's watching and it's like, what are we talking about? Go to the USPSA website. You can find the financial documents. You can look at the IRS form 990. You can look at the projected budget for 2022. It's all on the website. And um, there's not enough explanation there to understand what's going on. So um, I'm only slightly more, maybe in, in the know, just from talking to a bunch of people as I'm asking these questions, but uh, go ahead and uh, do your own research, look at it, um, reach out to your area directors, ask these questions. I, I want these answers just as bad as, 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 as you do. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out where, I don't, yep. I don't remember where the budget and member resources. Is. Yep. And yeah, then the financial at. documents, the right side, uh, other oh. resources scroll to the bottom. Yep, oh, that's why I was looking on the financial left financial side. Documents. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you can, there's actually a lot of information. So these are all the financial. So they have it kind of weird here. You have financial reviews and audits, which they, that's when the, the, they have like every third year they have an audit, but the other two is a financial review. Um, they're, they still haven't got the 2021 up, one up yet, which I found to be very strange. You click over to the next one. You got the form 990s, which uh, I, uh, those are all there. Um, but those are really hard to read because they're a tax form, but you can get, there's a lot of good information in there. And then this is the the public budget that they, you know, produced earlier in the year uh, for 2022. And the way, the way that they come up with this budget, from my understanding is they just take the expenditures from the previous year and, uh, and they add a couple, say uh, bump everything up by 5% or adjust here or there or a little bit. And then uh, they publish their budget based upon expenditures from last year. That's, that's the, that's the extent of the math that goes into that one. Okay. Well, that's different. All yep. right, let me update that so everybody can see. Okay. There we go. Yeah. It's interesting that uh, they don't have any of the audits since 2020. So I yeah, guess they haven't you know, I, 
I thought they would have posted 2021 in the middle of the summer. You would think. Hmm. I mean, that's when most that I'm aware of most people do. So, okay. Interesting. All right. Let me go back to where we were. There we go. Um, there was Let's something. see if I can get a light on in here. It keeps getting darker and darker. Okay. I mean, uh, doesn't look like it all. I'll reorient a little bit here if I can. Um, I'm in an Airbnb out in uh, out in Alabama, so not not what? my home. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we'll <laughs> we'll we'll be here. So I just finished shooting limited nationals or limited for me uh, race gun nationals, and we okay. got four days to kill hanging out in Talladega, Alabama. Um, <laughs> so until <laughs> until uh, production this next weekend. So what I'm hearing, Luke, is you lost to a nine millimeter canic. Oh yes, yes, that did happen. <laughs> that did happen. Yeah, that's all right. I had there a, are worse uh, things in life match. than that. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I, yeah. I had, I had like quite quite a rough match, but there was no way that I would ever not lose to a nine millimeter canic in his hands. Or uh, yeah, man, yeah. There's there's a lot of guys who are who are damn good. And uh, props to Nils. Um, you know, last year when he was 10 points behind Mason shooting minor, you know, everybody kind of had that <gasps> moment yeah. like, oh, yeah. my God, like he was second place shooting minor. And uh, and watching this match, you know, to be honest, I didn't really, um, you know, obviously I'm good friends with some of those top guys, you know, Mason included. And I don't I don't know that I was I, I wasn't even in that squad. I was over in a whole different zone. But, you know. Mason's my boy. I'm, I'm refreshing the leaderboard watching, you know, and watching and watching. And then Nils just went on a tear those last couple stages and just, uh, you know, put it all out there and jump to the top. And then you had the whole drama with Scott Brown and he was shooting in the afternoon yeah. session and, and yeah. we're, we're back at the house, like refreshing <laughs> again, just sitting there practicing <laughs> and like, like we'd all be sitting around hanging out and like another one of Scott's stages would post and, and like, where, you know, everybody's like, oh my God, you know, and like, you know, oh, he got a no shoot. He got a no shoot. And then, and then we're like calculating. We're like, okay, so he's going into a, his last stage, you know, and it's a seven round speed shoot. He's got to get four points on nils. And we're like, okay, so he's got to, he's got to shoot all alphas in like 3.4 seconds or whatever it was. And if he doesn't, you know, he's got to do that to win. And, and, and the kid, and I don't, I don't know Scott Brown at all. I, I, I've been passing, but like we saw the score post and we were like, Oh my God, he did it. He beat everyone by 15% on that stage. He just swung for the fences and connected. And it was just not good enough by one Charlie. And it was like, Oh my God. Wow. It was, it was one of the, between that and watching, we were actually physically there to watch the finish in the open with Christian and JJ and, um, and Aaron all within a point of each other going into the last stage. It was the most exciting nationals finishes in both divisions. I think I've ever been, you know, there to witness. Yeah, it was uh, pretty amazing from a distant too. I got to watch, I went to carry optics national. So I got to watch that happen. But I mean, when they went into the last stage, Nils had such a big lead. It's like, okay, as long as Nils doesn't get disqualified, Pretty much, it's it's game over. Yeah, the, the lead was way too big. But the women's carry optics nationals was like, oh, there was like five points. So you're like, 
uh oh, <laughs> how's this going to mm -hmm. end up? So I would say this year's been super exciting for finishes when yep. it comes to nationals. Yep. And so and the the you know the crazy thing too with like the way that these finishes happened is um, we and I don't know the exact reason for it. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a fan of it, but the the super squads now finish in the AM and there's a PM session afterwards. And so, you know, when you have potentially someone like you can you can have someone blow a curve on a stage and have overall point total shift. And normally it's just noise, you know, because it's never more than like a half a point, maybe, a you know, you know, three, three tenths a point, a half a point, something like that. And it, it never really makes a difference. But when you have the super squads all finished in the morning and then you have guys shooting in the afternoon and the super squad top three are all split by less than a point, it could make a difference. And, uh, yeah, and so sure. that makes it um, unintentionally, I think, kind of uh, interesting because you're like, OK, we think this is the finish, but is it? And, and it ended up being, um, you know, I was watching Aaron and JJ scores. And when they finished the morning session, they were half a point apart. Um, and then by the end of the afternoon session, they were eight tenths of a point apart. So Aaron actually, it helped him. It pushed him even further forward, but it just easily mm. could have gone the other direction and pushed him even closer to sure. JJ. So, yeah. you know, you never know. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty wild. At least at Carry Optics, they finished in the afternoon. So when they were done, the scores were final. Yep. I, I think I, de I definitely prefer that. I don't, I don't know the reason for why it got changed recently, but historically it's always been like that. And, and I prefer the, uh, the, um, the, the climactic finish and it's done uh, as much as exciting as it was having the like drug out, like we don't know, kind of sort of, we think we know, but we don't, I'd rather just have it. All right, we're done. Congratulations, yes. dude. All right, let's, let's go home. Yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree. Now, so you're there for, are you shooting production? Yes, yes. I am primarily a production shooter. Um, that's okay. that's what I shoot 90% of the time. I think limited was my, this limited nationals was my first limited match of the year. Maybe, maybe I shot like one or two locals like earlier in the year or something, just, just trying out gear or whatever. But uh, yeah, that was, I... I probably, I probably need to shoot a little more limited if I'm going to want to hop into nationals and expect to not be disappointed. That was the takeaway from this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, at least you had the similarity of iron sights and iron sights. That might be where it ended though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. But uh, I definitely, I had, I had some gun issues some feeding issues that, you know, would have uh, been worked out with just more time under the gun um, and, and, and figuring those out. Um, and I don't know exactly what it was, whether it was gun or ammo or some combination thereof. Um, and then just, uh, yeah, you know, a high cap division is very not, um, not normal for me. Um, I'm, I, I have a tendency to leave a position and reload as a production shooter. And I did a lot of extra reloads. <laughs> Everybody's oh, looking wow. at me funny. Cause I'm shooting limited with six mags <laughs> on my belt. And I'm like, yeah, I might need them the way I move. <laughs> Well, if it's an ammo thing, you might want to uh, talk to one of those QA guys at Federal and see what's going on. Or QC yeah, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I, I may have been shooting some experimental stuff that's some new stuff that um, 
is not is not out yet. So yeah, that's that's also on me. But uh, you know, part of this is you know it, it's cool because you know, and this is this is obviously what I wanted to do since I was a teenager. But my my hobbies and my passions and my job there's there's not a black and white line between those. So uh, you know, hey, are you are you working or are you are you shooting or? And the answer is yes. Yes. Yeah. So always testing, always gathering data, always learning things and, and bringing them back to, to make our ammo better. Well, and now you have some real world data. Yep. Yep. So works out. All right. And, and, so and I, a lot of guys, I guess, teeing off of that a little bit, the last thing I thought of was, mm -hmm. you know, it's, I learned so much from talking to guys who are in USPSA because, you know, I'll, I'll have an issue with something and, uh, and I'll bring it back to, to federal and we'll talk about it. And, you know, the customer service guys will be like, Hey, you know, no one's calling and complaining about this. You know, we're not sure if it's a real issue or whatever. And, and, you know, talking to a lot of the USPSA guys, especially some of the guys who've been in the sport for like 20 years or something. And they'll be like, yeah, duh, of course that's an issue. We know about that. You got to make sure you, you know, you load this to this length or your crimp like this, or you, these bullets don't feed in this gun, this gun, and this gun, or, you know, whatever that is. And all these guys, it's just like common knowledge and they don't even bother complaining about it because they already know what's up, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You come uh, up with a workaround. And a lot of that, um, yeah, a lot of that tribal knowledge is just in these guys' heads. And especially with the, uh, the massive experience that they have reloading and stuff, uh, you know, I learn a lot that makes me better, better at my job just from uh, from talking with shooters about about ammo, about what they do and uh, and about things they've seen in their uh, extensive experience in the in the sport. Yeah, I, I totally get that. I mean, I had a I actually I have a I shoot a Canuck rival myself. Um, and when I got it, I went out to shoot it and it it didn't like any of my hand loads with coated bullets, none of them. Okay. And I was like, what in the hell is going on? And, and so, what, what particular things did you, did it not like, was it not grouping? Well, was it not feeding? Well, no, it shoots when it would shoot. <laughs> it shot great. <laughs> but what I found was you've got to, you've basically got to load it to the shortest length possible, like one Oh eight. Okay. It's just such a tight tolerance that anything beyond that, the way the powdered coat, uh, the coated bullets. Sorry, I've got a great Dane over here digging around on my desk. Um, no worries. What are you doing? What are you doing, big boy? Um, the the way the coating changes the shape of the bullet on a 124 and and expands it, it didn't want to feed properly. So I actually had I had uh, Todd Jarrett. I shot a local here. I'm I'm where Matt Nash and them live. Um, okay. So that's where I'm at. And I was shooting a local match. Todd Jarrett was shooting and he was ROing this one stage. And I had a detonation where the slide wasn't completely in battery. And I was like, oh, whoa. It was the very last shot on that stage. So I shot and I'm like, I stopped for a second. I'm looking at the gun and I'm, and he goes, go ahead and, you know, em empty the gun. Cause I was looking first before I did anything to make sure there was nothing going on that was going to be hazardous. So then how did, did you know that. it was out of battery at that point in time? Did you, could you feel it or what, what, what happened? I, I did feel it. Um, I saw a little bit more of a flash. The funny thing is you couldn't catch any of that on the video I had. 
I even have okay. aim cam glasses and I didn't catch it. Todd Jarrett, thank God he was the guy ROing. He's like, yeah, you had an, he goes, do you know what happened? I said, no. And he goes, you had an out of battery detonation. I was like, okay. well, thank God you were ROing because I trust you with your hundred years of life experience shooting. Uh, I, yep. I believe you. So I started making some phone calls and I ended up calling, we use, um, brass monkey bullets. Okay. So I ended up sending him a message and he's a firefighter on the, on in the Western half of the country. I'm a firefighter over here. So he's like, Hey, just give me a call. So I gave him a call and we chatted for a while. And that's when I learned that the problem was the, the coded bullets and he's actually working. I don't remember. I checked their website. I can't remember if it's out now, but like a 136 or a 135, 136 grain bullet that would actually fix that issue where you wouldn't have that feeding problem in, in any of the um, guns. Factory ammunition, doesn't matter what it is, shoots like a charm. Not a problem and at all. And your feeding issues, were you getting caught on the the front of the magazine or the feed ramp or the top of the chamber? Like where was the, where were the rounds getting stuck and not feeding? In the chamber, in the actual barrel. So I, I did a plunk test. Oh, so they were, they were chambering, but not going. Oh, okay. So you were almost like, uh, you were basically hitting the lands and the grooves with the bullet before yes. you actually got the case fully into the chamber. Correct. So, okay. And so and that when it couldn't hmm. push it, when, when the slide wouldn't push the cartridge up onto the bullet, that's when the slide didn't quite go into battery. And, but it was enough that the firing pin was still able to strike the primer. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, and with I, those, with, with coated bullets, they have to, they have to, you know, and I think, and this is something that, you know, I, I won't say I'm the guy who came up with this, but as I understand it, and as I'm, uh, you know, with, with jacketed bullets and raw lead bullets, you know, if you were to just cast your own bullets, you know, the, the raw lead, you, you oversize them a little bit, you make them a little bit bigger so that, um, so that they, you know, they get proper biting into the lands and the grooves and all that. Right. And because the, the copper is so much harder, you know, so basically like copper, you set at Sammy center spec, you know, if you're doing a copper jacketed bullet and for a cast bullet, you want to go a thou, thou or so above that, you know, in order to get good bite. And so, you know, with coated bullets, you have, um, the uh they're they're basically those coatings at least the ones that i've worked with are basically as soft as just shooting a raw lead bullet um and so you you have to go a little bit oversized but then you run into the i've never heard of this before this is new information to me but uh i could see how if you had a little bit oversized bullet and uh, a longer overall length or a certain profile that didn't neck you know the the bullet profile didn't come in until later yeah. and it was more of a, a gradual slope on the ogive um, you could you could have it hit the lands and grooves before it was supposed to and not have any kind of bullet jump at all. And that's exactly what the issue was or is. Interesting. OK. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, you know, I had to and I I contacted Canik. They're like, hey, send us your gun. And they're like, hey, we didn't find any problems. And and their customer service was good. But I know that yeah. they used factory ammo, you know. Yeah. I'm sure that's what they shot, which it shoots fantastic. When I went to, I don't know if you took advantage of the um, sight-in range there at CMP, but I did. Okay. Yeah. And 
you know, 15 yards, I think it was, whatever it was. Man, that thing was dead on when I when I confirmed my zero. It yep. was dead on. So I was like, okay, this, you know, it, it shoots absolutely perfect. I love the way it shoots. It's just those coded bullets. So anyway, they they actually sent me a new gun anyway. They're like, look, we're going to send you a new gun anyway. We can't find anything wrong with the gun. It's operating fine. We'll send you a new gun. I was, I was like, okay. But I said, when I asked, I was like, well, what, what exactly did they do or, you know, find out? And the response I got was what you had just said basically was, we haven't heard anybody complain of this. So as far as we know, there's no issue. And I'm like, okay, I get it, you know? And unfortunately that's the way it goes. But like you said, people already have an answer to it. So they just work around the known and this, I'm not going to say it's an issue, but whatever you want to call it. I've, and I've, I've now heard that after a couple of thousand rounds of um, factory ammo, the, the throat will open up a little bit and then the coated bullets will fit just fine. Mm -hmm. So I have to check of, that out. And I don't know what your, it sounds like you had more of a severe defect rate, but a lot of things that happen, that at very low defect rates, you know, whether it be feeding issues or, or all, all different, you know, shooters that don't shoot at the volume of USPSA shooters just don't see this stuff, you know? So I'll come in and I'll say, you know, to, to my quality group, I'll say, Hey, you know, cause I shoot a lot of federal ammo and I'll say, Hey, you know, I'm seeing this in our more recent batch. And, you know, someone else goes, you know, well, what's the defect rate? And I go like one in one in a thousand or one in 5,000. <laughs> and, you know, and they go, well, no one else is going to shoot enough. You know, that's, that's, a, you know, 5,000 rounds maybe in a month for me, but like who else is going to do that? You know? Um, and so um, it's, it's when you, when you shoot high, high volumes, like a lot of USPSA, especially USPSA competitors who are going to travel to nationals and shoot, you know, uh, at a, at a, at a high level or compete at majors, um, you, you know, you're going to see stuff that, that the general population doesn't, um, you know, uh, from stuff that like, uh, I study how like different bullets over time. So I'll take, and I, I thought I saw this phenomenon, um, in, in my guns where I was like, Hey, why, why is, why are my, when I first got the gun, I got a brand new gun, right? I got brand new, brand new gun. And I zero, I zero with, the ammo type I'm going to use. And then I zero with a couple other ammo types that I might use. Cause I'm always switching ammos cause I'm shooting all the federal stuff. Right. So I got to zero with the hollow, the, the HSD hollow points, the American Eagle, the Syntec, mm. the this, and they're all stacking on top of each other with a brand new gun and everything's great. Right. And then, you know, maybe, you know, a couple months later, you know, I switched to a different ammo type and it's not hitting the same spot as everything else. And I was like, I, I know I zeroed everything. Right. And I even got pictures of it. I zeroed everything. So, you know, I take, uh, you know, I've been doing a study for a little bit where I took a, a brand new slide, did the same thing, zeroed everything, stacking on top, and then watching over time what bullet types tend to drift and where they tend to drift. And, hey, and, you know, that's just one gun, but you got to shoot tens of thousands of rounds to see it, not tens of thousands, 10,000 rounds to see it. And, uh, and where, 
and okay, cool. Is that, is that just this gun, this barrel batch from the, and there's so many variables like different barrel yeah. batches from the same manufacturer, different manufacturers, et cetera. But um, there's a lot of phenomenon out there that happens that unless you're shooting high, high volumes, you won't see it. And a lot of the, the guys in ballistics, ballistics at federal, they joke that it's uh, it's black magic. It's voodoo magic. You know, <laughs> you'll go, Hey, why, why did this happen or what's going on? Cause I'm a why guy. I'm an engineer. I got to know why, 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 why? And I'll go, why? Right. And they go voodoo magic. I don't know. You know, and uh, so, yeah, there's there's stuff when you shoot a lot, you see that that uh, the average consumer does not. Yeah, I mean, and and the average gun owner isn't, you know, they I doubt they put 10,000 rounds through their gun in a lifetime. Yeah, so, no way. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I totally and, and, get that. And it's reflected in the in the the culture, too. Like the gun is the big purchase. And I laugh at guns being like a disposable item like. I spend more on ammo in two weeks than I do on a gun, you know? Yeah. Especially nowadays. Yep. Yep. So the, the ammo and the, in the life of a $500 gun, you'll spend, you know, as a, as a high volume shooter before that gun is shot out, you'll spend 20 to $40,000 in ammo. Well, and I, I don't know what you run on top of your gun if you have an optic, but I shoot carry optics and my SRO was as much as my gun. Yep. Yep. I have not done any, uh, I've, I've played a little bit, but this upcoming off season, I'm going to learn the dot and, uh, I will have my first foray into carry optics in 2023. Oh, okay. Yeah. What are yep. you gonna, I, I'm sure you're going to probably run it on a SIG. Yep. SIG. So when I, right now my, I'm, I'm all about, you know, keeping the consistency. So when mm -hmm. I shoot limited, I don't put a magwell on or anything. I literally just take my nine mil slide off, throw my 40 slide on and, and, and grab, you know, 40 magazines, longer 40 magazines and we're rocking. So same thing for carry optics. I'll, uh, I got some slides being made right now. That'll be machined for the 509T, the hollow sun 509T. Okay. Um, and, uh, I'll have a, a pair of those to run and carry optics in 2023. Okay. All right. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You gonna, you think you'll make it to nationals for that or no? Oh, for sure. That's the, yeah, that's the, that's the plan. Uh, that's the plan. That's the plan. So I, I, you know, when looking at, and this kind of circles us back around to board stuff a little bit, you know, uh, yep. when planning nationals, um, I, I don't necessarily have super, I'm going to shoot every nationals that is in a division that I'm interested in, which right now is limited and carry optics and production, you know, um, but, uh, you know, they've changed the format each year. I think there's pros and I see pros and cons both ways. You know, the the changing format that they've done has been uh, it keeps things like interesting for people and like, oh, it's different every year. But it also at the you know, at the sacrifice of stability, you know, there's no like consistent season and structure and all that. Um, right. So you get excitement, but you you lack stability, you lack structure. Um out of, you know, I started shooting seriously around mid, mid 2019, as far as, you know, traveling to majors and, you know, doing that before that I just shot locals and I did not like, I wasn't dry firing every day, training high volume, et cetera. It was just locals here and there when I felt like it, um, for the better part of what, 20, 20 2008 to 2019. So like 11 years there. Um, and, uh, so lost my train of thought there. Um, 
shooting nationals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the the nationals, since I've been shooting in 2019, they've had different schedules each year. And uh, I, I kind of really like the schedule they got coming up this this next year. Um, I always felt like the May nationals was too early, especially for us in the north. Like we hadn't even shot outside yet, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, right. so doing doing it in June, having the optics nationals in June, um, that, you know, the standalone carry optics being the biggest division. I think that's cool. I think it's cool that they're doing it. Uh, I think it's cool that it's where it's at in the season. Um, I think open and PCC is definitely the best pairing. I think that gives opportunity to really, um, you know, right now open shooters see commonly, you know, cause open and PCC shooters are mixed with everybody else. So they're used right. to 10 hit factors regularly. Right. All right, cool. Now that they're paired together um, and their guns are the most capable, you know, they can they can be presented with shooting challenges that drag them down, drag open and PCC shooters down to a four hit factor, a five hit factor um, by putting targets, you know, swingers at 40 yards, 50 yards, you know, and different stuff that, you know, would not be um, at all equitable or reasonable to expect of the rest of the division. So I really like that pairing and I, I think it, it's a decent time goes well together and then having all the iron sights together at the end of the year, that, that works for me. I'm good with it. So I'll probably spend the first, first half of the year shooting, shooting carry optics and the next half shooting production. I, I feel like June is still early for a, a national championship. I kind of liked this year where you had carry optics in early September, everything else in mid October, because it still gave people time like your JJ Rakazas and, and all of them that wouldn't necessarily like even Mason, you know, his primary division being limited still gave him time to shoot carry optics and switch back over and get ready for limited nationals. But you, it is what, you it know, is. it's kind of, you know, it's kind of funny about that. I, I don't know. I don't know where he got the, uh, where that misnomer, probably because he's won two in a row. His primary division is production, not limited. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's kind of funny. I'm gonna tell him later that uh that 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 <laughs> that's out there. I mean, we knew it'd be out there at that point, I guess, but uh yeah. Um he he uh and he even said it today, he considers himself to be primarily an uh an iron sight shooter that uh you know he's learning, learning or continuing to learn and has learned the dot and uh and limited uh, is just another like um, you know uh, another thing to do you know another opt uh, division to try and um, for a lot of those guys at the top you know there's there's no reason not to when you you know when you have shooting skills that good and you know I guess it's obviously I'm not even on that level but speaking for me personally like a national championship if if you have the um, the time and the the money and uh, and the ability um it's a great match why wouldn't you shoot as many of them as he could you know oh yeah um, and so absolutely so yeah that's i think that's kind of how he started shooting limited and then uh i was with him squatted with him the first time he won uh and he was not in the super squad at 2020 and uh it was certainly not expected he was just going along we were having a great time shooting the match and then uh all of a sudden it was like oh uh yeah bro you 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 won <laughs> <laughs> wow well there you go well the record has been uh corrected <laughs> yes yes mason yes. is a production shooter <laughs> hopefully i got that right I'm, I'm pretty sure he sees himself as primarily a production shooter okay either way he's he's a regardless he's a hell of a shooter 
Hell of a shooter, sure. hell of a guy, great guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've had him on here. He is a great guy. All right, so getting back to Area 3 real quick. Yeah. So that being your primary responsibility, um, assuming you get elected, you have um, you want polls. Yeah. Very interesting that you put up, you wanted polls for board meetings and such. Yep. So now are you just going to randomly pick topics or go ahead? Nope. So, you know, as I, as I kind of, I wanted to give an example and I'm, I'm not there yet, but I wanted to just take and give an example right now of if I was there, what would it potentially look like? Because as I said earlier, I'm a man of action. I'm not a man of words. Like if I'm going to tell you something, I'm going to have it ready. I'm going to have an example. I'm already do it. You know? So I tried out a bunch of different polling software. What did I like? How much did this cost, et cetera. And I found out that Google, Google forms was the, the best, you know, for just gathering okay. data, having it transparent. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's there right now based upon the last uh, board meeting notes um, that, that I had looked at. Um, and I basically just went down. So you, you can click the link at the top to see the meeting minutes. And I just went down item by item and said, Hey, you know, what's, what, what were in the meetings, what was discussed in that meeting according to the minutes and then developed questions based upon those things that were discussed to see, Hey, what, what does the membership think of these things that are discussed and, or looking at the agenda for the next meeting and saying, Hey, what, um, what things for the leading into the next meeting, which the discussions were obviously Joe and Derek's suspensions. That was the only thing they had on the agenda. So what do you think of these two things given? And I would have loved to link in there a description of like, this is the investigation, the results of the investigation, the findings, whatever. There's none of that publicly available. So there's nothing to link there. And then the last one was um, an example of, you know, uh, I want to be able to bring things to the board, but I don't want to oversaturate it with. So um, every board meeting, you know, and it's just my idea right now, you know, that may change to every other, only this, or, you know, once a quarter, whatever. Um, but my idea right now is every board meeting, I'm going to bring an item that was brought to me by the membership to the board meeting to discuss or try to get it added to the agenda or whatever. So these were four different things that, um, Somebody, whether it be, uh, you know, one of them was my idea, one of them came from somebody else in a discussion, one of them was emailed to me, whatever, that were uh, things that somebody said, hey, I want to do this. And so um, in this poll, it collects uh, everybody's responses. And then um, that's whatever has the most votes there is the, the primary issue in which uh, my constituency wants me to discuss with the board. And, uh, and that's the one that I would bring to the next board meeting to try to get added to the agenda. Okay. Very interesting. I like it. I've used Google forms in the, in the past and it, they're very good. So, and it's free. And then the so cool can't beat that. It's and then the cool thing too is you know obviously you're not filling it out right now but once you get done you can click view responses and when you view responses you can see um, what how everybody has voted so it's not like you know when we submitted our feedback for the bylaws there was no publishing of that feedback seeing like where you know how people voted what did they want etc like this is completely transparent it doesn't display who voted for what but you can see exactly in the form where, where people had voted. All right. So I just filled it out. I'm yep, going to hit so submit. You click submit. 
and then go see previous responses. And now you can see that. how everybody voted, how many votes were All in right. each one and how everybody voted. Reinstate everybody and add a requirement. There we go. Yep. And so this is just an example. Like this is, this is me giving a little snippet of how I would do things differently and the different flavor that I would bring to um, what, how I see leadership, um, leadership being uh, me providing the options, organizing the feedback, and then presenting those to let the members make the decision, not being the decider, not being the dictator that says, this is what we're going to do. This is how it's going to be just being the organizer and the facilitator. Okay. Now let's say I close this. Well, here, well, if I close so this you, out, yep. Yep. Can I get back into it? Say the day before, let's say I filled it out the day you put it up. And yep. the day before or the morning of the membership meeting, would I be able to get back in here to see how the numbers have changed? For sure. You can do it right now. So if you X out of this and then you go back and you click my link again, so you can X out of this as well. All right. Let me, there we go. Um, and then you click the link again um, via your Google profile. You right it already knows that you responded. And then you can, you could go back and edit your responses if you had a changed opinion, or you could see the previous responses and see how the poll had updated. And all those all right. will be stored, you know, basically permanently for any any polls that I put out, so people can go back and look at the, uh, you know, how how people have voted or what issues that they'd wanted to vote on. And I, you know, my initial structure, it's the exact structure and the logistics of how to execute upon a system like this. Obviously, will this is just version one. Any good system I've engineered, we're not happy until like. Version one, I think is great. And then we get to version two or three and I, I go look back at version one and I go, what was I thinking? That was so inefficient, you know? And, um, <laughs> and then by the time I get to version eight or nine, I go, damn, we've built something really cool. Um, and so this is version one, but um, uh, it's just a taste of what version eight or nine could look like. And I think it could be something really, really cool. Okay. Now your area three championship, when I looked at that earlier, I did have a question. You were saying, yep. um, where is it at? For 2024 and onward, I intend to delegate the role of area three championship match director to the person slash proposal chosen by popular vote. Now here's my question with that. How yep. are you going to um, keep that from being the largest uh, shooting club in area three from dominating that every single year. And just those members say, Hey, let's vote to have it here. So we don't have to travel. How do you yep. combat that? So I don't see that as a problem. Okay. Um, because everyone can vote. I'm going to make sure that the communications go out. I already have a list of every uh, every section coordinator and every match director within the section. I'm going to make sure that everyone has fair, you know, equal communication as far as how this process is going to work. Um, the the template, I already have a template on there as far as if you want to run the match, here's a here's a template to start off of to draft how you how you would present your match. Um, and 
if let's say, let's say you do have, you know, if you look at area three, you have some major city centers, you have the twin cities in Minnesota, you have uh, St. Louis, which is kind of right on the border. You have um, Kansas city um, and, and you have, you know, um, you know, other smaller city centers, city centers within, but um, let's say, you know, just for example, you had a city that had, you know, 500 shooters who wanted the area match to be here and wanted to shoot here. And the whole rest of the area only had 300 shooters who planned on going to the match. Well then, yeah, it makes sense to have the match where the majority of the shooters are that plan on going to the match. And if, you're in an area in which is passionate about passionate enough about hosting it has the facilities to host it and has the massive amount of shooters to you know to host it yeah you know uh, rally rally your people you know make sure you got a solid proposal put it together and and get all your your friends and 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 uh, and constituents to vote and uh, you can you can host it there I think it's a a much more equitable and fair and clear system than how do they do it right now? They just kind of uh, pick whoever the area, you know, the area director just picks where he wants it to go, uh, whether that be uh, what's easiest for him or what's, you know, where he's at or, uh, I, you know, I, whatever, <laughs> you know, I don't know how it's picked right now, but there's, uh, there's no transparency and there's, uh, there's no opportunity in that process. All right. I, I feel I maybe I'm looking at it wrong. I, I kind of feel like, like I look, I look at it um, where I live here. We've got some decent ranges. Some of them are very small in membership, but they could handle a larger state match area match, something like that, but they wouldn't have the, the shooter base to be able to draw yep. it in and almost feel like if you did, you might be able to draw more shooters into that club. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. And, and a lot of this is also, you know, you'll see consistent, consistent themes in my logic that I apply to problem solving across all, you know, situations or problems. And that, um, I don't know. I, I don't assume that my experiences or the information I have at my fingertips is absolute. I, I, assume that there is more information out there that I don't know. So by enabling, you know, as, as on the website, as you can see how the process would work, um, enabling anyone who wanted to be a match director to say, Hey, here's, you know, the template lays out everything about the club and about the match. Like, here's my club. Here's how many bays we have. Here's how many stages I'd have. Here's the entry fee I would charge. Here's my my plan for staffing. Uh, how you know who staff are going to be, or how you know where how I'm doing that. Uh, staff compensation, um, etc. Uh, you know, primary dates, backup dates, etc. All this will be laid out before, and then and then with. Hopefully, maybe it's only one proposal, but multiple proposals where uh, then the members can look at that. How are you going to do your prize table? You know, what's that going to look like? You know, and obviously it's somewhat free form, but you get to explain like, hey, this is this is my price. This is my prize table. This is my number of stages. What's your schedule going to look like? Are you going to run it as a one day match, two half days, et cetera? All these things are laid out. 
And then the membership has an opportunity to say, hey, I like this proposal. And you'd be surprised. There's a lot of like, obviously, I'm in the Minneapolis area. There's a lot of guys in Minneapolis who love traveling to Grand Island. They love it. It's it's the big party weekend traveling out there. They they love it. The nine-hour drive doesn't bother them at all. And then there's a lot of guys in Minnesota who's like, we're sick of the drive. We hate going in the middle of nowhere. We wish we could fly there. We wanted to come here, right? And uh, so I don't think that, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know how that vote would go, um, but um, I want every club in the area or everyone who has the who has the desire and the drive and the, and the resources to do it, um, to have an opportunity and then let the, uh, let the membership as a whole decide, uh, what they want their area matched where they want it to be and what they want it to look like. Okay. Well, and when you started saying, you know, you would put all those proposals out, like Grand Isle is, you know, this is their proposal and this is, um, range B's proposal with match director. So-and-so, Okay, yeah. that that actually did kind of make sense, and and I like the way that sounded, where yeah, they would so have the it, schedule out and all of that. Yeah, yeah. So if you do go back to the website for people who are watching, if and and this is all live on Faust Systems backslash Area Three, so you can see, um, you know, the, the I kind of talk a little bit in the top part, but you have the cutoff dates, and then that that mm-hmm. template. You can actually click on that template and open that template and see what it looks like, and anyone can fill that out and email it to me, and uh, and that's just a basic outline of what's the kind of stuff that 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 I, the information that I want to see in a, in a proposal. Um, and obviously it can be expanded upon, et cetera, but, um, you know, pictures, aerial pictures of your bays, the range layout, financial, you know, all the different stuff that, uh, that, uh, even the transparency on the budget, like budget transparency is a huge thing. And a lot of people are calling for, you know, transparency on area matches, like, all right, cool. What's the budget roughly going to look like, you know? Um, and, uh, and those things are all there for people to vote on. Um, and, right. and it's, it, you know, it's kind of a package deal. You pick this match director and this location that he proposed. It's, it's your, you're really, to a certain extent, you're voting for the guy with his proposal. It's, it's match director slash proposal. I like um, it. That, that, and, that and, is a fantastic idea. And so, yeah, yeah. So it sounds like, you know, your original, you know, kind of resistance to this, as you heard more about it, it sounded better, right? Yes. Um, and so a lot of people ask me like, what's your flavor? What do you want to do as a match director and this and that and whatever. And it's like, I, I have my stuff, but like in like how I like it, the matches I like and the way I like to do things and whatever I may throw my, I may draft a proposal and put it in there if I wanted to be the match director, you know, for area three and do that. But um, I wouldn't just by default select my proposal and do it my way. Um, I would still, if if I did want to be in that role, throw my name in the hat and let the members decide. Okay. I like it. Yeah. I mean, this, this changes the entire way I was looking at it. Okay. What, what did you, how did you perceived it? Because, and, that, and that's important to me because like, if you, you know, cause you had obviously cursory glanced at it before we started talking, I want to make sure I can structure my communication better to avoid whatever, you know, um, misconception you had. Well, what I did not do was actually, I, I read through this, but I did not click on your template. So okay. what, what I was unaware of was the depth of information you're asking for 
And then, you know, all of this other information, like how many stages would you have? What type of schedule, shooting schedule? So it is, it's not, it changed the way I looked at it from voting on what range we're going to shoot it at to the format that we're going to, we're going to be shooting. That's what changed. So it's a full package. It is. Yeah. And that, and that I did not see initially. So that, that completely changes it. So I'd be more than willing to drive nine hours if I thought that was the best format and the best match director proposal that you had. I'd be like, I'm all in. For sure. So I like it. All right. So I'm going to, I'm, we're going to take a slight detour. Okay. Um, because I have a quick question. You, you know what? Uh, Give gonna, me one sec here. I'm looking at my, uh, look at my laptop battery. It looks like I'm getting low. I'm going to move and plug in here. Okay. I'm going to be operating in a little different area here. You can still see me. All right. Oh yeah. Yeah. I see you. Well. Cool. All right. I'm good. I have mentioned this in a cursory fashion before to someone in a joking fashion um, in that I was saying, I think area eight should annex West Virginia from area five, but um, <laughs> <laughs> looking, looking. So I looked at, I've looked at this a little bit more recently and yeah, I, yeah. I almost, I almost feel like some of these regions could use uh, to use a political term redistricting. Yes. I, it's funny because I had never, you know, when that, when I got bit by that bug that said, all right, you need to do something like you, you know, feel like I don't, can't speak up. I got to do something. And I started going through, I'd never actually looked at the area map before. Like to honest to God, I'd never looked at it. And I looked at this and was like, what the heck, <laughs> you know, like how did this happen? Um, yeah. Well, and yeah, and just, a, just an example, like what I was looking at is like, I've had June Kim on. June lives down here in Vegas. So for him to shoot area one up in Washington, that's like someone driving from North Carolina all the way up into Maine. Yep. Or, or having to fly that far. That to me seems like they could do a better, like this could almost be redistricted. Let's redo this. Let's look at our USPSA census for area one, our census for area Mm -hmm. two, and just start modifying. I mean, it's so weird how you have California, Arizona, New Mexico, and then it goes up into Colorado. And it's like, this is such a, it's a meandering. It's, this is a meandering map. I mean, this is, yes. this is gerrymandering. That's what this is. <laughs> and, and I wonder if there was like politics at the time that, that right. made it so that this made sense. Like whenever I see something that doesn't make sense, I, 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 I my brain, my, I don't know, pessimistic brain goes, all right, who benefited from this? You know, (laughs) Um, but yeah, the, the map is strange Uh, to be, to be completely frank with the issues that I want to tackle within the org. This is so far down the list that it's, it's not even on my (laughs) radar. Um, (laughs) Right. It's not even worth me, worth me putting effort into or fighting over. But uh, if if you wanted my quick opinion, yeah, this map looks weird. And uh, if someone, (laughs) someone as my constituent, like someone, someone submitted, like sent me an email and said, Hey, this is an issue I want to bring to the board. 
Uh, I would uh, I would throw that on the list for the next uh, you know voting on bringing something to the board meeting, and we could roll with it from there. But uh, you know, given the current state of things, I really don't think that uh, that that's probably going to be a hot topic on any given poll. No, I I feel like we probably need to settle some other issues, and then we can look at this. Yes, exactly, exactly. But uh, but every yeah. time I look at it, I'm like, what what in the world is going on? So weird. It's. It's interesting. For for sure. All right. Uh, do, do, do. Yeah, I really like that. Now, Dagnabbit, I had a question too. All right, so we'll go back up a quick second. What are your thoughts on, because I know this is one of those two things, 2011 and carry optics and production division. You are a production shooter, so. Yes, I am a production shooter. Um, let me preface all my divisional opinions with, I, this is a crazy, crazy new, new thing, but I don't vote how I feel. I vote okay. how the members tell me to vote. I put out okay. polls just like you guys saw example, my polls. And even if it goes against the way I think should things should be done, if the majority of my members think that a division should be this or that or whatever, I'm going to vote for the majority. Okay. Um, my second caveat is uh, more or less uh, my general feeling. I don't feel strongly about most of the divisional stuff. Just tell me the rules and I'll play by them. You know, that's kind of <laughs> more or less how I feel. Um, if you really put a gun to my head and say, Luke, what's your opinion? You got to have opinions. I know you have opinions. Um, you know, the first thing, you know, you, when you look at divisions, why do we have divisions and what do the divisions do? Um, you know, if you have too many divisions, you end up with not enough competitors in each division. So it really like thins out the, the, the competition. This is a you know, competition we're competing, right? That's it's for score. Um, so too many divisions, you thin out the divisions and, um, and then you have the other aspect of divisions in which is defining that division. And, um, and that can be very difficult to do in some cases, you know, for example, I shot my first IPSC match recently and, uh, you know, going through equipment check for production. Um, I, I shot standards so that I didn't have to deal with any of that, <laughs> but I'm seeing guys go through production and it's like, all right, so one guy's got, uh, these, you know, grips that have a palm swell on them and he gets waved through as fine. And the next guy has the same grips on the same gun. And it's like, nope, those don't meet the contour. So therefore they're not good, but at another match they were good, but et cetera. So, you know, the, the other aspect that I really, that jumps out to me is one, you don't want to dilute the divisions too much, dilute the competition. And then on the other side, you have to have very clear, clear enforceable rules that are, are very clear and easy to understand. Um, and then also understanding with those rules too, if you leave any kind of gap, have a lot of very smart people in the community that will find out, find any way to get an edge. So they got to be rules that are, are well-written. Um, that being said, you, you mentioned some hot topics there. What was it? Uh, limited eleven. Yeah. 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 Or 2011s in, in that, um, God, I'm not even an optics shooter, so I don't even feel qualified to put an opinion out there on that one. Like, I, I don't know. Um, could, 
the great thing about pushing things to the membership vote is like, I don't have to have a strong opinion. Like I'm a, I'm a pull my members and whatever they say we're, we'll go with. Um, I don't know. I'm not a 2011 shooter. I'm not an optics shooter. Um, I don't know how you solve that problem or if there even is a problem to be solved. Um, production was the other one. Um, you know, the two big questions that I see in production are production 15 versus 10, which is obviously an IPSC thing, um, right. you know, as well as being, um, I see, um, I, you know, if, if there was one, since I am a production <clears throat> shooter, I kind of get to have an opinion on that. Um, I do, I do like, I do like, I think the, the production 15. Um, and here's, here's my main thing is, is if you're in production 15, you don't need the massive amount of mag pouches that we currently need. If you're saying production's the easy division to get into and it's the cheap, easy, whatever, like right now you got to buy five mag pouches to be competitive in production, you know, and tons of magazines. And, you know, I have my dry fire mag set, which there's a couple mags or your training mag set and then your match mag set. And you have so many magazines um, and mag pouches and stuff. So, you know, going to 15 and reduce that a little bit. And, um, and then, you know, there's, it's not like there's any, any production gun on the market right now that doesn't have at least above 15 round capacity. So um, I don't see that being an issue. So if that one were Luke, what's your opinion? I'd, I'd be for it, but uh, do it once again, do I think that's even on the top 10 list of things I, I need to go after in the org? Absolutely not. It's, it's way down there. Right. And, and I mean, look, you're getting compact and subcompact guns that have more that hold, you know, almost yes. 15 rounds or more. So yes. yeah, I think a lot of the, um, maybe at the time that the rules were written, you know, 10 was about average. I don't know. But. And the other thing that's really cool that I realized last night. So I'm obviously in a house Airbnb with a bunch of other competitive shooters. And, and, um, when you have, when you start crowdsourcing solutions, like I want to do, people come up with stuff that, me in a vacuum never would have thought of, I never would have thought of changing the divisions to be kind of like this or whatever. And so just last night they were having a discussion, not about divisions, but about like uh, a mentorship program and how to, uh, how to get more youth or more females into the sport and how to, you know, and how they could structure it and how we could integrate it into the website and this and that. And as ideas were bounced back and forth in the room, it came, you know, the end, the ending solution that everybody was kind of like, yeah, that's, that's really cool. That would work was something that there's no way I could have come up with on my own. No way. And so, um, I, I kind of feel the same way about divisions. Like the, you know, you obviously have, you know, one way of looking at it, which is be like, make our divisions the same as Ipsic. So that we're the same as the international governing body and that's it done, you know? And then you have the other way, which is like, it's okay for us to be different. And then, you could be as different as you wanted to be, you know? Um, so we obviously have the way things are now you could make changes or not and, uh, and slight changes, drastic changes, but, um, through crowdsourcing the opinions via people being able to submit, Hey, here's my, here's my change proposal. And then me putting those out and polls to them to see which ones catch fire and which ones don't, um, we could come up with some really cool things, I think. I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, that's the best way to come up with ideas. Just everybody sit around and throw ideas out. And next thing you know, you throw something out that catches somebody's attention and somebody just refines it. And then someone else refines it. And next thing you know, you have a solution. Yep. 
see. Uh, I, this is um, not necessarily your campaign stance or anything like that, but this goes back to the conversation we had earlier, even about mm -hmm. the presidential election and the time frame that it took. I see that voting for Area 3 starts November 15th. The yes, last, I, the last yep. several elections, we've known like the very next day what the results were with the way they've gone to electronic voting. We've basically known the results the next day. I could see after, getting after it, it closes on because yeah. it, it You mean like after the month, the month period when it closes? Yep. Yeah, like it closes December sixteenth. So, like December seventeenth, we basically know the results. You might want to wait a few days to see if any somebody by chance mailed something in, but for yep. the most part, you know, and what I'm, what I'm getting at is what, as assuming again, all of these questions are assuming you get elected. I feel like waiting until a month and a half or two months actually after knowing is an exorbitant amount of time. Like I feel like, January one could start your runoff. You know what I mean? And yeah. then mid February where they're talking about runoff voting, you could actually have the individual notified that he's been elected and be in office. Yeah. And so I guess to give a little more background on what, like I put this together for my own information. And then I had so many people asking me like, Hey, when do we vote? <laughs> I was like, all right, well, it looks like I should put this out for everybody else too. Um, because I, I had to go through the bylaws and I, I, I literally that schedule that's there. I had typed it up and then probably had, I reread and edited it because I'll type something up, you know, late at night, I'll go to bed and maybe the next evening I'll look at it again and reread the bylaws. And I changed it and it was probably four or five iterations before I was like, okay, cool. You got it right. It's good. You know? Um, it was wow. just hard to read the bylaws and easy to miss a sentence about 15 days here, yeah. or 30 days here. Um, and so this is, and, and obviously the, I, I saw that they put out some of the initial stuff, obviously not about the runoff, but about the original one. And, um, it looks like they rounded by like a day or two here or there, but whatever it's, it's, that's noise. Um, but, um, with that, yeah, this, this system is clearly built on assuming you have to mail in votes and count votes, which is just not how it works anymore. Um, so yes, this could be significantly compressed. An example okay. of that is, you know, the, I, I looked at the format and I, I used kind of the same format as my example for like how I would do uh, a, a selection process for a area three match director and location. And you can see how much I compressed. I think I compressed uh, the voting from 30 days to 15 and I, I said, Hey, I can deliver you results the next day. Yeah. So here, so cutoff date of 1031 voting for 15 days and then um, right there. And then, yeah. The and then results day. reported the next day because yeah. I was looking at my personal schedule and I was like, could I, you know, I don't know what I'm going to be doing on 1115. It was like, yeah, it's, it's not going to take, very long for you to report results. That's, that's a reasonable ask. Well, and really it's just a matter you could literally just post on your social media face, you know, so-and-so is the match director for 2024 and the match is going to be at ABC. 
And then people could just go on the website and look at everything, you know? Bingo. So they, they already yeah. have their drafted proposals. So, I mean, you've, you've kind of seen, um, I'm, I'm all about consistency and message and clear communication, whether it be on my Instagram or my website or whatever, I'm, I'm using the same message. It's the same stuff. So it's just like that when the proposal gets, you know, selected, uh, I update the website to say, Hey, this is, this is the selected proposal, you know, for, uh, 2024 or whatever it is. And then, uh, send the email blast out to the, the email list saying, Hey, this is a selected proposal updated on Instagram, Facebook, wherever all the social media sites and, uh, and everybody knows. And then the match director knows that, uh, he can put a, start putting everything in, in stone. Yeah. I like, and that, and that's where I was going with the other one. It's like, man, this is stretched out so far. This is crazy. But yeah, 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 it is. It is what it is right now. It is what it is. That's what the bylaws say. Right. I get it. And, but that's why I asked. I mean, I know there's a lot of other stuff, um, but I still feel like that's probably one of those things that wouldn't, wouldn't take long to correct and fix. And before the next item 27, yep. (laughs) 27 on the list. It'll slide in somewhere somewhere around 27. I'm going to vote to move it to 11. (laughs) <laughs> okay, all all you got to do, just like I said, I think I'm there. Anybody, and the other thing that we we kind of talked about, you you alluded to a little bit earlier that like area directors don't just represent the people in their area; they represent mm-hmm. everybody. They're voting for everybody. So I I I was very I didn't necessarily explicitly say, but like a lot of people probably feel like, oh, I'm not in area three. No. Anyone, anyone can go in and say, this is how I feel on this issue. You know, uh, let me know how you feel. Or you want to email me and say, hey, I'm in area seven, but this is an issue I want you to bring to a board meeting. I'll add it to my poll for the next, you know, for the next round. Like I represent all members, not just area three members. Well, and I could see somebody doing that. Let's say that my area director is not responsive then I could see where I might reach out to somebody else and say, Hey, I've tried three times. I can't get a response from my area director. Could you please bring this up? So yep. I can see that. I'm, I'm happy to be that guy. Okay. Well, so, Luke, so what I'm there... saying is go, go shoot me an email with your, any proposals <laughs> you want and I'll get them added. <laughs> well, earlier when you started to say all you have to do is I was waiting for you to say all you have to do is move to area three you're good (laughs) no yeah no I'm making it easier than that (laughs) well Luke is there anything we didn't touch on that you feel or something we did that you feel needs to be expanded on before we close this thing out no I think we've uh we've hit on a a lot of really good points I, I appreciate you you doing the research and kind of going through um every I'm, I'm, you know, long, long format like this is interesting for me. I'm, I'm typically a man who likes to be clear and concise and, uh, I don't, I don't speak much, but I put thought into every word I put out there. And obviously on my website, everything there was combed through and and really tried to present, present the message I wanted to present in a clear, concise format. So I appreciate you kind of going through that. And I, I, we really did cover everything that I'd want to talk about here. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on and good luck at Production Nationals. Awesome. Thanks. I appreciate it. My pleasure.